Section three of a short history of France by Mary Duclos. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Part one, chapter three: The Church in Gaul, Lyon. In the first century of our era, Christianity had penetrated Gaul, but it was about a hundred and fifty years after the birth of Christ that the new religion suddenly awoke and spread with a rare force of enthusiasm among the poor industrial populations of the two great cities of the rhone lyon and vienne a large oriental colony was established in these places jews greeks and syrians laborious intelligent and gentle their gaulish neighbours in adopting their ideas gave them as always happens a twist in the direction of their own temperament a temperament singularly romantic superstitious stoical chivalrous and ardent and french catholicism came into being these syrians of the rhone knew little latin and less celtic their tongue was greek much spoken at that date all through the south of gaul where the greeks had settled long before the romans knew anything of the country and we may suppose that their religious instruction was often vague perhaps half understood but the extraordinary fitness of the new ideas to the gaulish temperament caused the religion to spread the gods of rome and greece nay even the gods of gaul had never really satisfied the sons of the druids and this new faith with its constant dependence on the invisible its perpetual visions and miracles its paradise promised its saviour sacrificed its unparalleled appeal to the heart and the imagination seemed made to their measure these gauls nervous excitable and yet at the same time heroic and stoical rushed we may say on martyrdom they had not long to wait lyon was the centre not only of the young church of christ but also of the patriotic cult of rome and of the roman emperor regarded as the personification of the empire small wonder that the two religions clashed gaul entered into the church of christ in a triumph of martyrdom lyon was crowded with saints and confessors the bishop potin the simple believers maturus sanctus attalus and the little servant girl blandine were thrown to the wild beasts after unutterable tortures in the public amphitheatre on the first of august a d one seventy seven in the fury of conviction on both sides of faith and cruelty on the part of the persecutors absolutely certain of their cause of faith and stoicism on the part of the martyred we meet for the first time a paroxysm of sentiment which we shall encounter again and again in the course of the history of france blandine is the sister of joan of arc and of madame roland smiling and as if ignorant of her tortures she endured the flagellation the red-hot throne the mauling mouths of the wild beasts the tossings of the bull and the final stroke of the sword verily said the gauls never in our country has a woman endured so much and like those who were to burn the maid of orleans then and there they dimly felt that they had put to death a saint the worship of the saints 
the veneration of their tortured bodies and the treasuring of relics were features of the new religion which in superstitious gaul awoke the dreamiest fervours of celtic enthusiasm miracles visions venerations ecstasy contemplation added all their gamut of holiness to the teaching of the gospel it was not for nothing that lyon became the religious capital of the gauls for lyon was already lyon nothing is more strange in studying these early years of christian gaul than to find the character of the different regions already so firmly fixed the bordeaux of ausonius is already the bordeaux of montaigne the bordeaux of to-day curious intelligent philosophic sceptical commercial and the lyon of blandine is our lyon mystical emotive sensual yet highly moral the doctrines of christ had taken on a tinge from the souls who received them nor was the intense individualism of the gaul without its effect on the new religion martin of tours paulinus of nola sulpicius of Arras, nearly all the early gallic saints began or finished their saintly lives as hermits dwelling in grottoes or huts solitary remote from the world they abandoned nothing could be more shocking to the roman idea of virtue which is always an active principle virtue in latin is valour but the early church in gaul was a church of mary not a church of martha and its device was unum est necessarium the celtic people of believers was too apt to sink into an incurable apathy a profound indifference for all things beyond the circle of religion much as we notice to-day in moslem countries instead of grouping themselves round the state in peril these new forces gathered apart under the shelter of the church and yet in its next phase the nation that new thing the nation for the roman empire had ignored the principle of nationality the nation was to result from their religious cohesion and not from a political principle despite its force its violence and terror the roman empire had instituted the greatest moral union as yet known to man the inhabitants of the civilized world were all brothers of one family the dwellers in one home the equal members of one society they might well say with asonius romum colo when the barbarians in their hordes overwhelmed and ruined the material power of rome the religious unity of the empire was as it were rescued by christianity and transformed into the catholic church the empire had been a religion and a family of which the half-divine emperor had been the head the rome of the popes survived the rome of the emperors and offered to mankind the shelter of the church the past never really dies we may forget it ignore it but it continues to vivify our actions and deep down in the soul of man we may discover as in the geological strata of a rock the different phases of being that have formed him the roman empire was one phase of the progress of humanity in every western nation and nowhere more than in france the roman empire is still a living root of social life for one thing the church preserved almost unaltered the roman system of education 
the great christian orators and bishops had all been educated in the schools that served for the pagan aristocracy st ambrose and st augustine boethius and polinus had been grounded on cicero and seneca cicero and seneca had entered into the marrow of their natures they could not conceive life and letters without cicero and seneca when christianity became the religion of the roman state it did not occur to them to change the system of education there were no other schools to take the place of the great learned and prosperous schools of the latin rhetoricians and christian rome adopted just as the centuries of latin culture had left it the pedagogy of the pagans introducing it with the roman administration into all the conquered provinces taking root there it survived the empire itself and that is why our sons to-day learn their latin not in the vulgate but in virgil End of section three